How you guys doing? How was uh, Thanksgiving for everyone? Was it good? We're going to do like a little thing where you have to raise your hand because it gets the, the blood going while I'm moving this table a little bit. So who ate a lot of turkey? Oh, only a few people. Who likes mashed potatoes? That's one of my favorites, although my family's not in there so much. Um, who watched the Lions lose? Maybe just Nate and I. Nate's not even raising his hand. Come on, Nate. We're like the Lions fans here. Um, anyways, like uh, Vake mentioned, I'm the pastor of Community Engagement and Missions. I'm excited here to talk about um, our new Jesus, Jesus Among the People. And we're going to get to this a little bit later, but Jesus Among the Outcasts in particular, or the Forgotten, is the way I'd put it more aptly. Uh, he mentioned I have uh, a wife, Natalie, and four kids, and we uh, get into a lot of things. As the kids are getting older, there's a lot more activities to do, and our routine gets um, sort of messed up. I call them routine busters. There's a lot of those things in life, right? The holiday season is a routine buster, right? The things that you normally would do, you're not able to do because you're doing fun things like parties. Summer vacation is like this. When you are working, you have new projects, coworkers, or clients. There's new things that enter in. It, it disrupts our routine. Uh, you guys know this right now, particularly for classes, that um, the deadlines are coming up, the projects are coming up, the exams that need to be studied for. There's all these things that are sort of creeping in and disrupting our normal, um, our normal routine. During the holidays, I mentioned a little bit, but there can be special trips to the grocery store, like I went and got a turkey and some things for the HO uh, Thanksgiving, which was fun. There can be present shopping. We went out and did some Black Friday shopping to get phones and whatnot. Uh, there can be people who are visiting. Who went and visited relatives this, this holiday season? We were fortunate enough to have my sister come and Natalie's mom come visit us. And also there's a lot of parties, right? Whether it's Christmas parties or just parties because your football team wins, there's lots of parties going on, right, at this point in time. And the, what those things can be is routine busters or distractions, right? Things that prevent us from focusing on the right things. Like, there can be even things that are fun that distract us from focusing on the right things. Like, recently, I talked about my sister being here. We had to decide, when are we going to go to wild lights? Who likes the wild lights around here? Yeah, go see all the lights at the zoo. It's really cool. But you have to take a lot of things into consideration, right? Like, what are we going to do the rest of the day? Uh, what's the weather going to be like? Is it going to be raining? Is it going to be cold? Um, is my sister going to like it? And so even when I got there, it was sort of like, because uh, my sister is older than myself and she, she doesn't have kids, it's like, this is sort of like a kid activity. Is she enjoying this? Is she getting the joy out of it that we are? And so there's a lot of things that even when they're supposed to be joyful can distract us from being in that present moment. And this morning I want to talk about focusing on, um, focusing on the right things, sort of like what they talked about, focusing on Jesus. And so before we start, let's pray. Uh, God, just thanks for bringing us here this morning to, to hear your word, uh, to engage with the things that um, you want to teach us. I just pray that you'd help to teach us through Matthew's life what it means to follow you. Um, I pray that you teach us what it was like for Jesus to be among the forgotten people. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start out in Matthew 9. 9, and this is what it says. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. 
and he rose and followed him. And so I don't know if you guys know what a tax collector's booth is like. This is sort of my, my pretend tax collector's booth. You've got to work with me. <laughs> Imagine we're here. And when you think of like a tax collector's booth now, you think of the IRS, right? And it's in a building and you're in an office, maybe a cubicle. That's not what it was like back in the day. A tax collector's booth was actually outside of a city gate. In this story, it's most likely that it was outside of the city of Cap- Capernaum. And Matthew is sitting there. And there's a lot of things going on. I have sort of a picture of what a city gate would look like. Um, you, know, you could have soldiers going in and out of it. You could have um, people going in to visit the temple. Um, and there's a lot of hustle bustle, even like if you guys went to the mall or any place to go shopping. There's a lot of activity happening. And in the midst of this, uh, Matthew's at his booth. And his job is to welcome everybody who's coming in with any type of good, like grains, metals, animals, and he's supposed to take 10% of that and set it aside for the Roman officials and the Roman government. And so um, for you guys, think about um, all these sort of distractions and what is going on. And in the midst of that, Matthew did one thing that I like to point out is that he had to look up. He had to look up past all these distractions, these things that were happening. He had to look up past maybe the responsibilities that were going on in his life. You know, he's probably had a big book like this, I'm assuming. Maybe not like this, more parchment. But anyways, he would probably be writing down and uh, taking, taking notes about what was coming in, right? What are the responsibilities for you guys right now that are going on in your life, that are vying for your time? Is there a lot more exams that are happening? Is there a lot more things going on because of the Christmas season? that you are having to engage with. Maybe you're trying to get more done in a smaller period of time so that you can visit family. I do that a lot during this, um, this time, during this Christmas season. What are your extra responsibilities that are happening now that are preventing you from looking up and seeing Jesus? So just think about that. There could have been other things going on that were vying for, for uh, Matthew's time. Like, you imagine there might have been a line. This is my person waiting in line. I wish... I wish she was bigger, but waiting in line, talking to me, I'm taking her taxes, she's probably complaining about the way that I'm doing it and I'm not doing it right, all sorts of things. This person standing in front of me, if you think of a line, maybe this is more apt of line that you can think of, a Kia, but just think of people like standing in front of this booth, and it would be hard to like look up and see Jesus in that moment, right, because there's people, people right in front of him, and so I want you guys to think about what are the what are, who are the people in your life right now that are vying for your time? I know for Christmas, there's a lot of relative time, I guess, which is not, it, these, again, these things are not bad. I get to spend time with both my sisters, to spend time with my parents, my mother-in-law, to spend time a lot of times with Natalie's cousins, and those people just want my attention. They're taking up more of my time than they normally would, which, again, is good. For you, is there some there, is there some holiday traditions that you guys usually do as a family? Are there, um, again, are there more parties that are happening? Are there classmates who are saying, I need your time because we have this project that needs to get done now? Are there professors who are saying, I need your time because you need to do well on this exam? What are the, who, who are the people who are vying for your time right now that are making it difficult for you to look up and see Jesus? Also during this time of year, we have surprises. And this is my, my little surprise. Gifts are surprises, right? And I'm not going to open it up. Actually, those are only rocks in here, so it'll stand up. 
so it's not really a great surprise. But in general, usually gifts have good surprises in them, right? Like there maybe there's something you want for Christmas that you're really excited about. During this time of year, I've noticed, especially for me, and maybe it's just me, there's a lot more people announcing that they're having babies, which again is a good thing. They're good surprises. Sometimes it's on Facebook. You guys like those Facebook posts where it's like the dog and it has a little sign that says, my humans are getting me a, a human for, for Christmas or something like that. You know, they have all those cute things, right? Social media stuff. Nobody's seen those before? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Sorry. Think of something else that would be a good surprise for you then. Forget that I said that. Um, but the surprises that Matthew, uh, even just to give you some context too for Matthew, is that he was looking for surprises that were bad. Like he had a metal rod, and as everybody brought something in, he was sticking it into their sack. And the reason was because people would try to snuggle in metal or other things that they didn't want to pay taxes on. And so he's looking for, for things. What are the good things in your life that are surprises? What are some of the, the bad things in life that are surprises? I know about eight years ago, there was a bad surprise in my family that we found out my mom was had, had multiple myeloma, and she's still battling it now. A lot of times during the holiday season, we find out about relatives who um, have cancer or different diseases. So just think about it for you guys. What are the surprises that are keeping you from looking up? I want you guys to really engage with this question. What are the responsibilities, whether it's the book, the people, and surprises that are preventing you from looking up and seeing Jesus, like right now? Basically, what are the things that are preventing you from spending time with him every day? And this is important because, again, I talked about how the holiday season, the Christmas season, is a time where we get our schedules um, kind of busted up. But it's not the only time that that happens. Again, it happens during the summer happens if you're working, you have new projects, clients, um, co-workers. It happens in school all the time, right? There's always things that are coming up for you in school. There's like the next exam. There's the next paper. Uh, when you start the next semester, there's the new class schedule, and there's the new, new assignments and things that go along with that. There's a lot of uh, deadlines. And in those things, what Jesus is calling us to do is to walk in the Spirit so that when we are walking around and we're interacting with people, we have the opportunities to introduce uh, people to Jesus because we're thinking about him, because we've taken the time to look up and see him. Now, the cool thing about Shane's story is that Matt and Toby were, were there at a time for him to talk to, and they just got to know him, and they introduced him to Jesus. It's awesome. Just think about it. If we are taking the time to spend with Jesus now, that as we go out and we leave this auditorium or we leave our our uh, residence hall or we leave our apartment, we will have these opportunities over and over to introduce people to Jesus if we're just thinking about it. Um, let's continue on in Matthew 9. I'm actually going to read the same verse again. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And so you got this situation where Matthew is, uh, had to look up, but then also Jesus asked him to leave his, his booth right? Actually physically leave. And scholars say that it wasn't just like, oh, just for a time. It was definitely understood that Jesus, that Matthew would be leaving his life behind, the life that he was living. And so there were things that that were going on that there were, that he had to sort of take into account. Some, some costs he had to, um, sort of had to weigh if he was going to follow Jesus. One of those things that with tax collectors of the time, what most people believed uh, or that it's believed that most of them took 
extra of the 10% just for themselves to just keep. And so one of the things that uh, Matthew would be leaving behind is finances in his life. He would be, I think I spelled that right. Malones aren't the best spellers, I'm sorry. You can tell me later. You can talk to my sister, Melissa, about that. She's like, I'm not a good speller. I practiced this on her. I was like, did I spell that right? She's like, I don't know. So <laughs> anyways, um, so he's leaving finances behind. He was, he was leaving something that he was getting. Like during this time of year, we get a lot of opportunity to leave our finances behind. You know, every, every year my kids sit down and we get out one of those gift catalogs, whether it's from World Vision, Samaritan's Purse, or Send Relief. And um, to give you guys some context, if you've never seen the catalogs, it usually has like a, somebody holding a goat or, a, or a, a cow or it has like a bottled water, things like that. And the idea is that you are giving one goat or you're giving clean water to people around the world. And so there's an opportunity for all of us, like uh, everyone in our family picks something to give to somebody that we don't know around the world because we think it's a great opportunity to, to give some of our fan finances to leave them behind. Another thing that happens this time of year is usually giving to mission organizations like the IMB, the International Mission Board, has the Lottie Moon offering. And the money that they collect during this time of year supports missionaries who are going out across the world to take the gospel to all nations. Basically, it supports them in making disciples of all nations. And so all the money that comes in goes out to those folks. And so maybe something right now during this time that God is asking you, is there something more that I could give, whether it's finances or time? Another thing that uh, I assume Matthew was leaving behind was his comfort. Um, you know, he was considered a traitor by most Jewish folks. Uh, he was considered to have betrayed uh, everybody that, that he knew to be aligned with the Romans. And so basically, people saw them as traitors, outcasts. Some of them were excommunicated from the temple for what they were doing. And he had to leave that behind. He had to leave behind that and go to a more dangerous place in the place he was at. We assume even in the tax collecting booth, he got some protection from the Roman soldiers, and we don't know what he was going to walk into. And it's sort of him taking a step out of his comfort zone. And I've noticed every time that I do that, when I'm in my comfort zone and I step out of it, God does some amazing things. Like one time recently, I was going to what we call the people group engagements. There's like another one coming up this Friday, and it was to a mosque. It was for the first time, and so uh, all I knew is I was supposed to talk to Horsehead. And I don't know if you guys have gone to any place new recently, but it was kind of crazy. It brought up a lot of, like, fear, insecurities. Like, when it, even though when I first got there, there was so much traffic, I didn't even know where to park because it was during their worship service. So, like, I'm trying to find a place to park, and I'm wondering, did I park in the right place? And then I walk in, and I definitely look uh, different than everyone there. Uh, they're dressed differently. And, you know, I'm taking off my shoes. And I'm asking where Horset is. And they're like, oh, he's like going to lead the service. So you're not going to talk to him afterwards. And so they just lead us into this room. They separate the girls and guys. And we sit in the back row. And we watch these prayers in Arabic. And it was kind of crazy because I don't even know what's going on during that time. I'm like, and it made me sort of feel like, do I belong here? Am I really welcomed here? Which I definitely was welcomed there, by the way. And because afterwards we went up and we had this time where we discussed um, just our different faiths together, uh, Islam and Christianity. And it was a really cool time of just seeing us taking a little step of faith, what it could do 
in the future because um, we got some phone numbers of people there, and to this day, there's still, like, some folks who, like, are texting back and forth, like Dan Ritchie got a text recently from one of the folks from the mosque asking him a question, and so, again, if you take that step to get out of your comfort zone, God can do amazing things. So what comforts is God asking you to, to leave behind right now to follow him? Another thing that we assume Matthew was leaving behind was his sin. And for, for him, you know, we assume he was taking money. That's obviously wrong, not the right thing to do. For you, what are some of the sins that are going on in your life right now that you'd be like, I would need to leave these behind? You know, for me in college, there was a, a lot of uh, drinking and partying that went on. Um, there was a lot of sexual impurity that I had to leave behind and still need to leave behind. What is it for you guys? What sin would you need to leave behind to, to get out, behind, out from behind this tax collector's booth to follow Jesus? Another thing that was going on for him was probably some guilt. Because in the sin, there's usually some guilt. He probably felt um, guilty for taking money from uh, other Jewish folks, from taking it improperly. He probably felt guilty because he was betraying all the Jewish folks that he knew to be a tax collector. Um, there were just things that he was probably saying, I feel bad about these things, and I'm going to leave those behind to follow Jesus. You know, that recently, I, there's random things that make me feel guilty. I'll just admit it right, right up front. But I was in line for the, at Kroger, and you're going through the checkout, and it was for the th show Thanksgiving, which made it even more interesting to me. And so you know what they do at Kroger now all the time when you're done with your checkout? They say, would you like to round up for hunger, right? And so I'm like, oh, you know, I always say no, because I'm like, oh, I give to other things and whatnot, but it always makes me feel a little guilty, because I'm like, what would they think if they knew I was a person who was excited about uh, community engagement at my church? I was the pastor who actually led that, and I'm saying, no, I'm not going to give an extra 50 cents or whatever it was for hunger. It makes me feel guilty. What are the things for you, what are the guilts that you need to leave behind? And so I want you guys to engage with this question. What do you need to leave behind to follow Jesus? You know, is there something that struck you about this? Because I like this table because it gives you a physical example of it's you're, you're leaving it behind. It's behind you at this point as you get up to follow Jesus. What are the things that maybe uh, some of the words or what were the thoughts that came to mind that you're like, I would need to leave this behind or I need to continue to leave this behind? Whether you are Maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus in your life before, make him your Lord and Savior, sort of like Shane at the beginning of his story, and then he came to this realization that he needed a Savior. Or maybe it's something that keeps pulling you back. Maybe it's comfort. Like for me, it's comfort that keeps drawing me back to this table, to the safety of the tax collector's booth. What do you need to leave behind? Um, so we're going to continue on in Matthew 9, 9 through 13 says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners um, 
came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, when, but when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. But those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And it's an interesting thing because um, in this, I'm going to go back to that first verse again. Sorry, I keep going back to that one. But the, the follow me, you know, that word literally means clean. So, and for following you and clinging to somebody, they, they would imagine what you would do is you would go and you'd link arms with that person and you would just walk around with them and they'd be with you the whole time. And you know, in relationships, that seems kind of weird, right? I came, found, went to the interwebs and found this definition of clingy for individuals. And it says, if you're in a relationship that's clingy, it says it doesn't stop, doesn't stop calling, constantly tells you how much they love, like you, writes and sings you songs, buys you flowers, chocolate, so much it gets annoying and wants to spend time with you all the time. And so with a person, that'd be weird, right? That's like a weird relationship that you'd be in. But think about it, with Jesus, this is a pretty accurate description of what you would desire, right? You would want to spend all your time with him. You would want to be talking to him in prayer, constantly telling him things. You would want to be giving finances so that his kingdom could advance. Uh, you would want to be singing songs like we do in worship and writing songs to him because of how much you love him. And so think about that idea of like clinging and following Jesus as you're getting up from, from the booth. Um, the other thing, I want to sort of switch gears a little bit here. And so we've been talking about Matthew and what he needed to do, but we were in this series where it's like Jesus among the people. So what did Jesus do in this passage among the people? Among, again, the tax collectors, the people who were traitors, the people who betrayed their people, the people who were outcasts. What did Jesus do? And the question that the Jewish um, Pharisees asked was very important. They asked, why are you making yourself ritually unclean by hanging out with these people? Again, I mentioned it before, but these were the outcasts. These are people who were excommunicated probably from the temple, people who were despised. And Jesus said, I have come for these forgotten people. I've come for these people who realize they need me. And Jesus says in that moment, too, how you should react to folks like that. He actually says, um, he quotes Hosea 6.6, 6, um, when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he says in this moment what you should do, you should act, make this an act of your worship, to be among the people who are outcast, the socially outcast, excommunicated, excommunicated and forgotten. You should give them mercy and compassion because of the position that they are in. And you should let them know who Jesus is. Like the, not a sacrifice alludes to Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross in the future. He wants people to know him as a Savior, their Lord and Savior. And the way you do this is through having compassion on them in the first place. And, and during this Christmas season, we get a new, new, unique opportunity, whether it's in everyday life or amongst forgotten people, to introduce folks to Jesus. Again, let's go back to the image where I'm, we're clinging to Jesus all the time. Like, imagine I had Sam, and Sam and I were walking around, and I was talking to people, and I go up to Grant, 
And I'm like, just talk to Grant, and I don't say anything about Sam. Sam's just hanging out here, and our conversation ends, and I go, and then I talk to Clay, and then we have a conversation, and I don't even, like, mention that Sam's here. Then I go and talk to Vivek, and we just keep going, and it would be weird, right? People would be like, well, what's this? This dude is weird. He's got this one uh, friend on his arm that he's clinging to all the time, and he's not ever mentioning her, ever, right? That would be weird. Uh, you would want to, like, if, if it was really a real situation, I'd take Sam up to Alexa, pretend they've never been introduced before, and I'd be like, hey, you know, you guys, you guys might get along because you both are very musical. You both love music. And you try to find a point of co- connection. Or maybe there's a question that Sam has about music that I could refer her to Alexa for. That would be a normal situation. And think about with Jesus, we have that same situation. We get to cling with him and walk around with him, and we can make points of connection between uh, people's lives and Jesus. We can make points of connection between the questions they're asking and the answers that he has during this time. So I want you guys to think about that. Think how you can do it, like especially among the the forgotten people. Recently, I was at a community engagement day. Uh, It was the Miracle Garden. We try to go to places where there's either widows, orphans, immigrants, and the physically poor to, to reach out to our community. And this is this, Linden is where the Miracle Garden is, and it's this very poor area of town. And so I was working next to a guy from that area. His name was Peter. Got to know him a little, little bit. I realized he had an accent, so that was different than, than around here. I found out that he was uh, Russian, which was cool because I'd been to Russian before, and so I had some points of contact. I was able to talk to him about different things. Also made me realize this cool thing is that I don't have to go to another country to be a part of making disciples of all nations. The nations are here in around us right now. I got to know about his life. He was actually, uh, he had a doctorate um, uh, in physics, and he was going around, and he was a part of working in labs, and he was having a hard time keeping jobs in the labs because of language barriers, cultural barriers, but he really knew his stuff, so it made no sense, right, for him not to be able to keep these jobs. And so I said to him in this moment, I was like, hey, you know, whenever I'm having a hard time like this, I usually ask God, Jesus, and through prayer, if he'd help me out. It's like, do you, what do you think of God, was the question I asked him. And then we got in this discussion, and being very clear that he's like, from Russia, we never talk about God. That's something that's far from us. We don't even really engage with it. But the cool thing was, even after all that discussion, he still let me pray for him. And again, I believe that if we are doing these little things, that we never know what God's going to do with it in the future. I haven't talked to Peter since, but I'm hoping that God is continuing him on this path so that he'll get to know him. And so during this time of uh, Christmas season, I want to ask you guys to think about this question. What can I do to tell people about Jesus? Who are the people who are around you right now um, that you could be thinking about that with? I love this passage because it has elements, again, of things during the Christmas season, the distractions to actually, um, it has elements of the distractions of things that keep us from looking up to see Jesus. It has elements of the things that prevent us from following Jesus. It has elements of what we should do to share our faith with people. Um, it's awesome to just reflect on those things. And um, what can usually happen during these times for me is it's like, well, what do I do with this? We've, we've talked a lot about different things. What do I do with this information that, that Mike has shared with me if I'm going to do anything at all? And so what I want you guys to do is to pull out your phones or just a pencil and use the, the little uh, bulletin that we gave you. So you guys can do that now. I'm waiting. 
I'm patiently waiting because I want you guys to write some things down. And it doesn't have to be uh, anything profound. I just want you guys to write down the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you guys these questions. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when it says, what can, I, what can you do to look up and see Jesus? Like right now, what can you do? Maybe it's you're thinking that my schedule is getting busier, so I have to wake up 15 minutes early so I can spend time with Jesus every day to take that time to look up. Maybe it's I'm not a morning person, so I'm going to take 15 minutes at the end of the day to do that. Maybe you're like me, and I just need reminders during the day, so I set my uh, alarm actually to 10.02 based off of Luke 10.2, where Jesus asked that we pray that more workers would go out to his harvest fields. And I use that as an opportunity to engage with him on that and other things, just to engage with him of sending workers to all nations. So what can you do to look up and see Jesus? Just write down the first thing that comes to mind. Next question is, what do I need to leave behind to follow Jesus fully? Maybe it's making a commitment to fight a sin struggle or pattern that are more common in times of stress for you, like right now. You know, for me, um, when it gets more stressful, I tend to want to just watch um, more TV because it makes me think, forget the things that I'm worried about, the responsibilities, um, all the things going on in life for a period of time. The crazy thing is I still have those later. And so it'd be better for me to engage with God about it. Are there things that are going on with you right now? Is there a heightened level of wanting to escape to sexual sin or escape to drinking? Um, maybe there's a temptation to escape to a relationship and find comfort in them instead of Jesus. What, what do you need to leave behind to more fully, or behind to follow Jesus fully? Maybe it's you have to leave behind more of your finances. Maybe it's... Um, leaving more of your comfort behind. Like I mentioned, the people group engagement, this, to get out of your comfort zone, maybe you want to go on that this Friday, we're going to go with Morgan, I think Morgan's over here somewhere, there she is, uh, to Hillel and talk to Jewish folks and get to know them and hang out with them. So I want you guys to think of, write down the first thing that comes to mind, what do I need to leave behind to, to follow Jesus fully? And the last question is, what do I, what can I do to tell people about Jesus? Maybe it's you want to have, like, write down an intentional conversation you want to have with an individual, whether it's a classmate, a neighbor, a coworker. I know for me, th during this time, I've been really thinking about my neighbor, Sean. He's a professor here, and I've just been thinking about what are more ways that I can engage him with the gospel? What are more questions I can ask that will get us into a deeper spiritual conversation? They'll get us out of talking about his bathroom remodel to about Jesus. Or different things. I know I'm an adult, so we worry about different things. So maybe for you, it's instead of talking about the exams to talking about Jesus. Um, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's signing up for a community engagement day. You know, I, like I mentioned before, we're having one this Saturday, and we're going to go um, hang out with widows, orphans, immigrants, and the physically poor. During those times, you could have conversations like I had with Peter and be able to, to share about Jesus, introduce people to Jesus in that way. So take some time to write down the first thing that comes to mind. And with these three questions, we know that it's not just going to be we write it down and it happens. It's not going to be that we look at it later and we make it happen. It's going to be through God and the Holy Spirit looking, working through our lives. And so I just want to end with praying that God would really help us do these things that we've written down. So let's pray. Um, God, we just thank you for 
bringing us here this morning. We thank you for all the things that Alexa was even talking about, the reasons we can be thankful, whether it's for relatives, whether it's for um, just having all the food that we need during this time, and even more, maybe it's um, for having a roof over our head. There's lots of things that we can be thankful for. And we just want to pray and ask you to work in our hearts and help us to, to really put into action the things that we put down. Pray that you'd help us to understand what we need to do and give us the power to, to look up at you every day, to see you, to see how you're working in our lives and around the, in the people around us. I pray that you'd help fill us with your spe- spirit so that we would fully just follow you, that we could leave behind the things that we need to li- leave behind. And I pray that you would just be helping us to have the conversations that we need to have with people uh, about you. I pray that you give us just the words to say to introduce people to Jesus around us. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.